the city of Port Harcourt, Kingdom Life Camp Meeting, Grace and Anointing, walking in God's kingdom assignment for your life. God bless you. For the privilege to talk to you, and uh, I hope you do not have a copyright for your message. Do you? Uh, because I've already, um, oh, my God, use now. I've, I've noted it, I've copied it, I've recorded it, so permit me to use it wherever is possible for me, right? So I just want to ask if there's no copyright. That message was so strong. If we, if we understand spiritual frequency and how to walk in the spirit, that message was so strong. I, I, I jot down everything, so that's why I'm asking for permission in case you have copyright so that you don't get me arrested for plagiarism. Thank you. All right, and uh, part of what we were saying, somebody made a funny statement. It looks funny, but his statement was there's nothing free in life because even in listening, you pay attention. That's you pay attention for listening. So nothing is free. Just listening alone, you are paying. And what is the cost for listening? Attention. And that's what she, he said. It's so powerful. Praise the Lord. Okay, so we're going to be going into this section, and uh, I'll be dealing more. What I'm asked to really deal more with is the issue of this grace. So I'm going to be actually concentrating on this. And if you've been following me before or you listen to me, you're going to be hearing some things repeated. And that's the benefit of it because, like he said, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. So maybe I'm going to be reminding you of the things you've heard me say before. Amen? And then you take them to heart and walk with them. Praise the Lord. And just like he also said, there's something very powerful. Um, in Luke 15, verse 17, it's a statement. Um, it says, And he came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the Bible says and the power of the Lord was present to heal them he was teaching he wasn't conducting healing service that's what I want you to pick so you have expectation whatever it is the Lord meets you even through the word you know, we have advertisement that goes for healing campaign, healing meeting, whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. But we need to realize that even while you declare the word, healing can take place. Is that okay? So if you have some issues with you, have expectation. The Lord is going to touch you. The Lord is going to heal you even as the word is coming forth. Amen? Praise the Lord. So grace, we want to be dealing with the issue of grace. You know, the common thing we found, how many of you have heard about the grace message going on all over the place? Right. It's the most popular message now, and uh, sometimes somebody will ask me a question. They say, Pastor, what do you teach? Do you teach grace? I said, I teach the whole counsel of God. The message of Jesus was not fragmented, but revealed grace in the course of his teachings. That's nothing like, do you teach grace? Are you a grace messenger? No. I'm not a grace messenger. I preach the kingdom of God with what Jesus preached. You understand that? The whole counsel of God. That's what Paul said. 
I have to declare to you the whole counsel of God, not fragmented message. Grace itself is not a fragmented message. It's holistic. It goes round. I'm going to make you see how that grace is so wide. What we know about grace is, I'm a New Testament believer. All sins are forgiven. I'm not under law. I'm under grace. That's all you know about grace. But grace is much more bigger than that. Hallelujah. That one you just spoke about is in relation to redemption. Just one phase of grace. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus, New Testament believers. It's all in relation to the work of redemption. But that's just an aspect of grace. It's much more deeper and greater than that. And so, when we talk, for instance, I'm going to explain that much more. When we talk about falling from grace, you know, as people know it, sometimes they say, okay, if you touch the law, you're falling from grace. Right? Um, falling from grace, <laughs> it's not just because you're teaching from law. Therefore, you're not following Christ. This is the point. When, when, when Paul made a statement of the Galatian church, this is what happened. They came into the faith, all the signs and wonders and miracles following, they've come to believe. But Judaizers came and they were telling them that they have to include Moses for them to be saved. And that's what Paul was saying. Who have bewitched you? Right? Have you begun in the spirit and ending up in the flesh? And again, that's something you want to understand. When you talk about flesh, most times in the scriptures, you're not talking about. Uh, maybe works of the flesh and all that. That's not what you're dealing with. When you talk about flesh, you're talking about the law. You see, that's why Philippians 3, Paul was saying, as touching the law. Right? Good. And so, and he talk about we are circumcision not of the flesh, but of the spirit. So he's dealing with the law. Right? So, when he was telling them, who have bewitched you? Have you begun in the spirit and ending in the flesh? He was talking about them moving out of the grace of God, which is the spirit of Christ, and they're going to the law because the Judaizers came in there. But all of that is just in relation to worship. Just in relation to worship. So you can fall for grace by being in line, I mean, being not in line with what God created you for. Is that okay? Because I'm going to make you see that Paul said, I am who I am or what I am by what? The grace of God. So you can fall from grace by not being in the very position, the very office that God has created for this, not for, you know. To be functioning for his science in another man's field is falling from grace. Let's just take it this way. If God has designed you to be an engineer, and you end up becoming an artist on the roadside, you're falling from grace. Do you understand that? If God has ordained that you be a teacher in the classroom to impart knowledge to people, you decide for monetary sake to become an engineer with oil companies so that you make more money, you're falling from grace. You're not meeting up with your original design for quick purpose God sent you here. I'll make you see all of that. I'll give you an example also. 
If God, for instance, has equipped you to be an apostle to the body or to the nations, and then you end up being a pastor in a local assembly without moving out, you're falling from grace. Are you listening to me? Praise the Lord. If God has ordained you to be a unique example of a husband that all others can emulate, he just brings you up and he gives you some quality to actually demonstrate who a real husband should be. And you end up, maybe for the sake of friends or other people, living a different lifestyle from that which God has originally crafted you for, you're falling from grace. You must first know who you are. So look at this question. They ask John the Baptist the question, Who are you? What was the answer he gave to them? They asked, Are you one of the prophets? He said, I'm none of those prophets you're talking about. And they said, Who are you? I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He came to fulfill a scripture. His assignment was to fulfill what Isaiah said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. This is why we discovered that even though he was born into the priesthood family, he was not in the temple. If he were to remain in the temple because his father was a priest in the temple, he's falling from grace. You understand that? I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He didn't say I'm a priest in the temple. But his father Zacharias was supposed to be in the temple. Are you getting what I'm talking about? You need to understand who you are. And to stand with, you must understand who you are not. Because when you ask who are you? I am not. That's the beginning. Don't let people impose who you are on you and you know you are not. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. So that's the point. Believers need to understand the discourse. Now we need to come to this. When we talk about grace, 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 we need to come to this understanding. You know, as to what the Lord is talking about uh, in terms of this doctrine of grace. Anybody will have seen this flyer now. Oh, he's talking about grace, you know. And then maybe later on, we'll come to the issue of anointing. You're also going to be understanding that. You just look at it. Oh, talking about grace. Oh, anointing, yes. Maybe anointing oil or whatever as the case may be. Much more than that. Hallelujah. All right. You know, sometimes you begin to see people talk about anointing service and all of those things. You have all of those things going on. But let's look deeper into what God have to say. Different opinions and sermons of grace, they all abound in the place, like you know. Different camps. And one of the things that really have happened is such that if you are not a grace message person, for instance, no matter what level of grace the Lord has given to you to teach, those on the group, um, on the camp message of grace, they will not invite you. They will have nothing to do with you because you are not preaching grace. So now we have divisions within the body of Christ, all because of this word grace, which ought not to be. The doctrine of grace we preach today have brought the church into the realm of carnality because we're separating ourselves, thinking that somebody has a message of grace and that man does not have a message of grace. And because people teach the message of grace the way they teach it, they are even bringing definitions and doctrines that are actually very, very uncongruent with the things of God. Just to prove a point. That's right. 
You understand that? Just to prove a point. They teach all manner of things just to prove a point. Which is not supposed to be. The word of God itself is simply plain and very simple. There's a simplicity in God's word. Hallelujah. All right. Let me show you something. Um, Look at Song of Solomon verse 1. I mean chapter 1 verse number 6. Song of Solomon chapter 1 verse number 6. Look not upon me because I'm black. Because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards. But my own vineyard have I not kept. And I want you to get this. This guy has fallen from faith. He's keeping other people's vineyard. His vineyard is not kept. By implication, his own calling has been neglected for other people's calling. I don't know if you are getting that. Mother's children. What's a mother? Mother in the Bible is the church. (laughs) Are you there with me? Mother in the Bible, Eve, the mother of all living. The church, the bride of Christ, if you will. So when he say, my mother's children, he's talking about false brethren. He's talking about people who have come to abuse him. When I use the word abuse is, because of the enforcement of what they think is the original thing, he bought into that. Now they become a system of abuse because you have to preach what they preach for you to be accepted. And you forget what God called you to do. My brother's children have made me a slave. I'm keeping their fire by preaching what they think is the thing and I've forsaken or forgotten what God has given to me to do. Therefore, he has fallen from faith. And so when you start comparing yourself with people, you want to model your ministry after certain people because they are popular, they're up there, you're falling from grace. You have to be who you are. There is a place for originality. The DNA God has given to you. I have always said this local assembly. Listen to this. He mentioned that this ministry is founded on God's word. All other things that goes around, science, wonders, miracles, healing, all of those things happens. Word of knowledge, very frequent with Maxwell's ministry, all of those things comes along. But the foundation of the ministry is the word of God. So you can come into this ministry, for instance, and you want to bring prophecy as the ultimate in your ministry. Then you are not having the DNA of this local assembly. I don't know if you are getting this. It's very, very important. Now, if you go to the Old Testament, you see that all the tribes, they have a unique DNA. It's one body, which is the church in the wilderness, but each tribe had a specific grace they carried. For instance, we know that Judah was for praise. Right? Issachar, they understand the times and seasons. Is that alright? Check all the tribes. There is a uniqueness that they have. Now, if you leave the tribe of Issachar and say, I like praise, then you want to join to the tribe of praise, you'll be malfunctioning. Because you don't have the DNA for Judah. Do you understand that? You don't have the DNA for Judah. You'll be malfunctioning there. You don't have that grace. 
And if you are in the, in the camp of praise, for instance, in the house of Judah, and you say, no, I want all the signs and wonders. I need to see visions. I need to, you understand that? Yeah, yeah, this is the end thing. And then you go there. You're going to be seeing false visions. Because the DNA is not in you. You are not designed to be in the house of Issachar. We have to understand these things. You are not pleasing men. You are called to please God. He sent you here to do something for him. You are unique. So your local assembly is unique towards what God intends to do. It's an accomplishment of the whole Lord. Are you there with me? Praise the Lord. So, my mother's children have messed me up. I left my own vineyard, my own garden. What's the garden? The ministry. And I'm not concerned about my own brother's gardens. And I miss out. That's why I'm black. <laughs> Praise the living God. Laboring all over. The mischief, the deception, all of those things which men have called ministries. I mean, I was speaking to him yesterday when we were driving. I mean, I see crazy names of churches in this city. And almost every poll is a different signboard for another church. I just don't know where we're really going. It's so crazy. Different names, so we're just bumping my head when I look at them like this. And is this ministry? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. Look at Jeremiah 1, verse 5. I pray you would not leave your vineyard to be laboring in another man's vineyard. It's important. You know why you are called, you know who you are. And uh, as we move down, you're going to be able to say it. Grace or calling is not necessarily a preacher. Is that okay? You have to first get that at the back of your mind or climb with the front of your mind now. Whichever way. At that back or front, take it. Just put it there. Maybe it should be the front so that you can be seeing it. Is that okay? That grace or anointing is not necessarily a preacher. Because we are going to see that. Don't you know I'm an anointed man of God? So, the man that is not preaching, is he an anointed man of the devil? No. Is that okay? Yes, sir. Five or ministry is just the gift God gives to the church to equip the church. But Paul said, He who have called us and anointed us, the whole church, is God. Hallelujah. Every one of you is anointed. Hallelujah. I'll show that to you later. Jeremiah 1 5. Here is the word. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before that came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee as what? A prophet unto the nations. This is very specific. Before you came here, you have already existed as a prophet. And there's a purpose of which I call you. So go down, become flesh, and manifest who you used to be in the spirit. So you, you can't make a prophet out of the church or from the church. No. Nobody does that. All those anointed seven poor on your head, you are not a prophet, you are not that. That is prophet of the man, not prophet of God. Paul said, I'm not apostle by man or from man, but from God. Do you understand that? 
And if a man makes you a prophet, you are going to prophesy based on who or what he wants. He makes you an apostle, you're going to teach what he teaches. Because you have to confirm to the certificate. But here is a prophet from God. I need you to get this because very important. So your face existed before you came here. And who you were in the spirit is what God intended you to manifest when you come here. He sent you here to reveal who you have already been in the spirit realm. We've always been with God. Are you there with me? Give me Psalm 90 if you can. Verse number 1. I'll tell you something. Psalm 90 verse number 1 if you can get that. He said, O Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place from more generations before the fountain, before the, are you getting that? Lord, you've been our dwelling place in what? All generations. Look at number two. Before the fountains, the mountain were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You have been our dwelling place. We've existed in you before the creation came into being. So who you were in this place, in that verse 1, is what God is bringing you out here to reveal. You have to stay with that. Are you there with me? If you move out of that place you were with God before you came here, you're falling from grace. Praise the living God. That's why you say the word God in Genesis 1. You say God, in the beginning God. The word God is Elohim. And Elohim is a generic name. It's not just uh, a name of God. It's a family name. Just like you have Orogu family. It's Onos in the family. You have other people in the family. But one name binds all of them together, which is Onos. I mean, uh, Orogu. Is that okay? That's just the point. Elohim means a family name. That means we were all together in that family before the foundation of the earth. And I always say it, what you call a new birth is a rediscovery of who you used to be. You lost your mind through the fall. So when the Holy Spirit comes, begin to remind you of who you used to be. Because we are being with him before the foundations of the world. So you have to be able to see this. So if you move out of who you used to be, like Jeremiah, go back to Jeremiah. If Jeremiah have to come here and he say, I'm an apostle. Uh, and they begin to walk the places, I'm an apostle. He has already fallen from grace. Because the DNA and that which God has for him before he came here was to be a prophet to the nations. Did you get that? Praise the living God. So again, if you are an engineer, of a lack of jobs in our country, you become an old foster maker or a medical doctor, venturing into other field that is not caught out for you, you are falling from grace. Is that okay? Now, if you, for instance, were supposed to be an engineer, and you feel the doctor, the doctor thing is going to give you more money, we should be ready for a lot of casualties. 
You can see why a lot of people die in the hospital because most people who are there as doctors were not designed to be doctors. Is that okay? They probably could have been teachers in the classroom imparting knowledge to people. They probably could have just been journalists giving news to people. But they choose to become doctors because that is in thing. And with that, they're falling from grace. Are you there with me? Praise the living God. Many people are having problems, not making much progress in life because they are operating outside of grace. Grace is what engineers you. Grace is what empowers you. Grace is what shoots you front from what is given to you. God enables you to succeed in life when you walk under the grace that God has called you into. We cannot afford to function outside divine influence and make impact in life. Is that okay? Praise the living God. All right. Let's make a little bit of progress here. For instance, if I may say, if you look at the Old Testament, grace was available. It's not just a New Testament concept in the true sense of it. What happened is, grace was not so much revealed in the Old Testament as compared to the New Testament. But it has always been there. Look at Genesis 6 verse number 8. Genesis 6 verse number 8. Here it says, But no I find grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah find grace. He's an Old Testament saint. But what happened? He find grace in the eyes of the Lord. So it's not something new. That's what I'm saying. The grace people preach today is just in relation to redemption alone. Hallelujah. But you see, grace that Noah found is what delivered him with his family from the flood. You understand that? The grace that he found then in the Old Testament is what saved him and his family from the flood. He finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. The word grace here actually means graciousness, kindness, objective, favor, pleasant, and so on and so forth. Amen? All right. Now, this was not just about Noah being a sinner because we think grace has to do by grace my sins are forgiven yes that's, a, that's correct but did it end there? no Noah find grace not because he was a sinner therefore he needed sins to be forgiven Noah simply found favor in the sight of God amongst all men of his generation he was the only choice of God at that particular time in the midst of unrighteous humanity and community of people. He find grace in the sight of God. So God picked him out to release a new generation of people that will walk in the righteousness of God. That is just it. Same with Abraham. Abraham was picked to raise a new set of people on the face of the earth from idol-infested communities. His grandfather was an idol worshiper. His father was an idol worshiper. And God wanted to break the link of idol worship 
that trade had to end. So what did he do? He picked Abraham. So that he raised a new set of humanity on the face of the earth. That's why he called him father of many nations. Is that okay? Raising a new community of people on the face of the earth. And that was his grace. The grace for to be a father. Is that alright? Praise the living God. To give back, to give, to give, to give instructions, to release life. Fathering makes you bring forth offspring. So he raised him to bring forth offspring that will walk in the righteousness of God. And for that to happen, he has to become the father, if you will. Don't get me wrong, the father of Jesus. <laughs> because the Bible tells us in, in Galatians, when God promised him, out of thy seed shall the nations of the earth be blessed. That one seed was who? Christ. You see that? Praise the Lord. Israel was raised as a community of nations to impact the rest of the nations. That was their calling as a, as a, as a, as a nation, not individual now. Look at Deuteronomy 7 verse 7. Praise the living God. Deuteronomy 7 verse 7. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you, hallelujah, and because he will keep the oath which he has sworn unto your fathers, has he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondage, or bondmen, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Did you see that? Not because Israel was so large. Well, I mean, few people. But God said, I want to demonstrate my love to you. And not just that. I want to use you to teach the rest of the nations how I want them to walk. This is unique calling. This is unique assignment. And so Israel have the grace that they should be able to impact other nations with the love of God, the word of God, the spirit of God. Everything that Israel was supposed to have experienced, he expected them to export to other nations. Do you understand that? Hallelujah. Let me tell you this. Grace is connected to the work you do. Grace is for work. It's not for proclamation. I'm under grace. I'm not grace. No. Let me show you something. Act 14.26. Act 14.26. The Bible says. Act 14.26. Just that. And then say to talk from men's. They have been recommended, just that, but you can read from the top. Recommended to what? The grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. The grace of God. I, I want you to get this. They be commended to the grace of God for what? The work. Grace is for work. It's not just a belief system. It's more than a doctrine, if you will. 
grace of God for the work which they have what completed, completed. Grace enabled them to fulfill and complete the work. Hallelujah. So it's not like, oh, I'm living under grace and you're doing nothing. I'm living under grace and you don't have a goal. I'm living under guilt. No, 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 no. That is not grace. You can be shouting in the street, I'm under, I'm not under law, I'm under grace. Uh, now the question is, what are you called to do that the grace was supposed to be working for? The grace is for work. It's not for shouting, it's not for anything. It's for work. Hallelujah. The word grace here is actually carries, meaning graciousness of manner or act. Literal, figurative or spiritual. Especially, now the key point I want you to see here, what is grace? The divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. The divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. That means grace is something that God influences you to perform or to bring out. That divine influence, that energy that you have to accomplish what God has called you to do is what you call grace. Hallelujah. The divine influence upon the house and the reflection in life. It speaks of the ability you receive to do the work that the Father has graced you for. Amen? So here they receive grace for what? From God for the work which they fulfilled. So something is to make them fulfill the work that God has given to them. And that energy is what we call grace. Is it making sense to you? Hallelujah. So, grace is more than just forgiveness of sin. Grace is more than, I'm a New Testament believer. It's much more than that. Much more than that. It's holistic. Right? Okay. Let me give you a, a very simple definition again of grace. I'm defining grace now. Grace is for work, for definition, the divine influence upon the heart, and its reflection. In other words, if you are walking under grace, men will see what he has called you to do. I don't know if you're getting that. If you are a professional carpenter, you should be able to produce stuff that people will look at. That men are like this. Is that okay? People will... We mark you out, and if people are trying to say, I want to buy furniture for my shop, they will say, oh, go to that shop. It's a reflection of what was your inside, your DNA. Men will see it. It's divine influence upon the heart, and it's reflection in the life. Men will see that, do this is who this man is. Jesus put it this way, by their fruit, you shall know them. Yes, sir. Is that okay? Yes, Praise the Lord. Another thing I want to make you see is grace is the power to overcome sin and weaknesses. The power to overcome sin and weaknesses. That is grace. If you look at Genesis 20, it's an interesting story. We may not have time to read all of that. But you can read 2 to 6. Genesis 20. Right? Okay. Now, here was glory, glory. Here was Abimelech. He was a king. Right? And Sarah and Abraham journeyed over there. Is that alright? Can you go not about maybe we can just read it very fast? From two to six. 
four verses. Now Abraham said of his wife Sarah, she's my sister. You started from verse 2. Alright. And Abimelech, king of Gara, sent her to her. Look at the next thing. Verse 3. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Are you following this? Look at this. But Abimelech had not come near her. I will explain. And he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous man also? What's the next thing? Verse 5. Did he not say to me, she is my sister? She even, she said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and in innocence of my hands, I have done this. What's the next thing? Verse 6. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also marked that. What happened? Withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Who stopped the king from touching Sarah? God. That is grace. So, grace is not my sins are forgiven. It doesn't end there. <laughs> Grace is that thing that stops you from sinning. God said, I will tell you. I mean, can you picture this thing? Here is a beautiful sister. Sweet 16. Oh, I don't know if you follow what I'm talking about. Before the king said, go get me that lady. He has seen something in the life and the beauty of Sarah. But how come? You give this beautiful. Nobody's stopping you. You have all the assets. You are a king. Oh, glory to God. But yet, he will not. That is to say, this king was with Sarah for some number of days or weeks or months. But the appetite to sleep with Sarah was not there. That's grace. I don't know if you're getting this. Somebody said, you know, you know what we preach in church? Abraham lied. Therefore, Isaac lied. Therefore, Jacob lied. Have you heard those stories? Now let me show you something. Let me knock that out of your mind today. Look at the next thing. Verse 7. Are you with me? Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and will pray for you, and he shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that thou shalt surely die. You are all who you, oh, are yours. And uh, no, no, something, this is where we also have doctrine of restitution. Have you read about that before? Have you heard that? Uh, this thing happens sometimes when I was river state, and a brother, the, 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 the mother, you know, was the first wife of the husband before they became, uh, of the father before they became uh, uh, believers. And so when they go to church, and it was even previous state, you know how it goes. Even the the, the 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 wife, which is the mother of my friend, was the one I told the husband, let's get another woman. And she actually raised money by which they went to marry the second wife. And so when they became believers, the church said, No, uh bride price was not paid on you, therefore you are not the legal wife of this man. So they sent the man away. I mean the woman away. And I asked my friend. You allow doctrine to send your mother away from your father's house? It says restitution. I say, now who is going to pray for your father? Because here it says, send the wife back to the man 
and let the man pray for you. Who is going to pray for your father? Because you don't even know anything about that. Anyway, let's leave that. Look at the next thing. Verse 8. So Abimelech rose early in the morning, called his servant and told all these things in the hearing, and the men were very much afraid. And verse number 9 says, And Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What have you done to us? How have I offended you that you have bought, brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done this to me that ought not to be done. Verse 10 says, Then Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you have in view that we have done these things? Verse 11. Abraham said, Because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place. And they will kill me on account of my wife. Look at the next thing. But indeed, this is what I want you to see. She is truly what? My sister. She is the daughter of my father. But not the daughter of my mother. And she became a wife. Early times, you could marry your father's daughter, but not your mother's daughter. Did you get that? So Abraham, I mean, Sarah was actually the sister of Abraham because of, in, you have what you call pattern, pattern, pattern what do I call it? Fine. You understand that? For instance, like in Ghana, you can become a president if your mother is from Ghana. But in, in Nigeria, your father have to be. You understand that? That's what happened. So Abraham never lied. They are not reading the story through. Did you get that? No, you need to get this. Praise the Lord. Alright, so what am I trying to point out to you there? The fact that Abimelech never slept with Sarah was because, help me father, yes Lord, was because God did what? Withheld him. That is to say, there are some things you will love to do which will be seen before God. Grace can stop you from doing it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's not about uh, I'm under grace, I'm under grace. No. And you're doing all kind of crazy things. No. That is not grace. Praise the Lord. Do you even know the story in John chapter 8? We may not have time to read that. Of the woman that was taken in adultery. How many of you remember that story? Now, by the time they finished all that they were doing, let me show you the grace that came up to that place. The Lord says, stone her to death. And Jesus started writing on the floor. And as he was, as he was writing, we made to understand the people start going away. Now, the common understanding was that people were writing, I mean, Jesus was writing the sins of the people. That's why they left. Okay, that's fine. I have no problem with that. But this is what Jesus was writing. He was reminding them the man and the woman, according to the book of Leviticus, must be stoned to death. So where is the man? They have no answer to that. They can't provide the man. Because one person cannot commit adultery. They said the two of them should be stoned to death. That's what the law says. So he was not reminding them, where is the man? And he turned to the woman. Has anybody not condemned you? You say, no, it's okay. You go and sin no more. That word was not an advice. He was saying, from today, you will not be able to sin anymore. It was a commandment. And that is grace. Are you following me? I want you to understand this. So, 
We are talking about unseen power withheld in Abimelech. We are talking about the power that flows from God to make that woman never to think about committing adultery. It's a power that flows from God when Jesus made that word. Look at what he told Peter. Come to me during the, the storm. What happened? Peter walked. Because when he said come, that was a commandment. The world carries life and power. So when he said come, Peter could walk. Go and see no more. Nothing can stop you. Nothing can make you to think about committing adultery anymore. That was grace. Go here into the world was not an advice. It's a commandment. Is anybody following this? Where are we talking about grace? People, you're, I'm under grace. I'm preaching grace. What is grace? Hallelujah. Praise the living God. Mm -hmm. I need you to get this. Genesis 31. Just look at another interesting story. Reading from verse... uh, Wow. I don't know how I'm going to package this. But I I just show you. 31. That's how to do it. Look at verse 1. And then maybe we'll look at 24. Interesting story again. Genesis 31. It's the story of um, Laban and Jacob. Jacob has worked for those number of years in the house of Laban and he wants to go and they were becoming envious of Jacob. Now, oh Jacob, he got all the blessings from my father's house and so on and so forth. Is that okay? So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to fill to the flood, right? Okay, you, you start off with verse 4. It's okay, fine. But now, go to verse 24. I just want to let you know. Because they wanted to leave now. He called the family and they all want to leave. And then this jealousy came. Go to verse 24. Go to verse 24. And so when they were leaving, Laban the Syria set up and said, Man, I'm going to go stop them on the way. Is that okay? Because you are taking away all the properties, taking away all the good animals. You know, God gave him some scientific experiment to make the robust animals to belong to him. When he gave him the vision of the night and, and asked him to make a poplar tree, that when the animals come to feed, they'll have ring straight in their body. Remember that? Very good. You go read it. So here, as he was living, they got mad. The sons of Laban, Laban himself got mad and they wanted to go and stop him. And here is what God told him. But God has come to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good or bad. Just keep your mouth shut. All the bad intention that Laban had. Grace. Did you understand that? Yes, sir. Grace can make you not to say some things that you were supposed to say. Yeah. Yes, sir. No, I don't understand grace. People's lips are just there. Some I'll curse you. I mean, they don't understand what grace is all about. Praise the living God. So, this defines for all the meme. Help me. The real mission of Jesus Christ. Do you have amplified translation? I would like us to read. Matthew chapter 1, um, 20 to 21, amplify. This definition gives us the remission of Jesus Christ on the face of the earth. If you can get it from the amplified. Good. But as he was thinking, who was thinking? Joseph was thinking. Now Mary was pregnant of the Holy Spirit. And Jacob, I mean, Joseph was not intending, and that was a good man. 
he felt he would not put into public shame. That is a put her to public shame. That is to say, he was not going to allow her or people to come to know that she's pregnant and he was not responsible. Let me quietly put her aside. Is that okay? Right. And I love something. Permit me to say that. That's not our discussion. But you see, he was betrothed to Joseph. Betrothal is not the same thing as dating. Are you there with me? <laughs> what we have today? I'm dating. My fiancé, I'm dating. That's not Bible. There is no dating in the Bible. What you have in the Bible is betrothal. And when you are betrothed to a man, both families knows. It's not a secret phone call talk. Huh? You won't listen to that. <laughs> Hallelujah. So what we have in scripture is what betrothal. Is that okay? Not dating, not uh, what other name do you call it? Oh, okay, eh? okay, that's right. Yeah, good man. <laughs> Praise the Lord. No, no, no. So while he was thinking about this, it's a good man. He wanted to put him aside, put her aside. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, some of you don't even know how to dream anymore. Abimelech had a dream. Remember that. Even. The wife of Herod, I mean, uh, what's that? Pilate had a dream. Hmm? Joseph had a dream. When the Holy Spirit comes, there shall be dreams, visions. Are you sitting there with me? Your dreams, the only dreams you ever have is you are sweeping in the river. That's why I always go for deliverance. You never had any dream about God. God never shows you anything about your dream, but your dreams are a very powerful instrument for the revelation of the mind and the will of God. He had a dream, appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, descendant of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceiving her is of, that is to say, from, out of all, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Let me not say that. Go ahead. Verse 21. This is what I'm looking for. She will bear a son. I shall call his name Jesus, not Jesus Christ. The Greek form of the Hebrew, Joshua, which means Savior. For he shall save his people from their sins. That is, prevent them from failing and missing the true end and scope of life, which is God. Prevent them grace. So you are not only saved by grace, you are also prevented from sinning by grace. Is it making sense to you? <laughs> Praise the Lord. He shall prevent them. So, I am saying, grace prevents people from doing what they ought not to do. I'm giving you a simple definition of grace. Is it making sense to you? Praise the Lord. Time minutes, man? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Now, if you look at, help me now. Grace is the ability to give even in the midst of poverty. Now, this is what we, we, we don't see in scriptures. <laughs> but if you look at Mark 12, 41 to 43, maybe we can read that. Mark 12, 41 to 43. We think grace, oh, grace, grace. Grace is the ability to give. <laughs> okay. Now, in the temple, they were giving the offering. You know this story, right? 
And he sat down opposite the treasury and saw the crowd was casting money into the treasury. Many, many rich people were throwing in large sums of money. Oh, rich people don't throw in these days. Go to verse 42. I wish you have some rich people who can throw in. And a widow who was poverty striking came and put in two copper names. What translation do you read? Amplify? Okay, fine. The smallest of coins, which together made half of a cent. What's the next thing? Verse 43. And he called the disciples to him and said to them, Truly and surely, I tell you this widow, she who is poverty striking, has put in more than all this contributing to the treasury. And look at the next thing what he said. For they all drew in, threw in out of their abundance, but she out of her deep poverty has put in everything that she has, even all she had on which she lived on. Is that okay? Look at the next thing. Verse 45 now. And as Jesus was coming out of the temple, okay, we can just stop there. Is that okay? Now, this is what I'm trying to make you understand. Jesus called the disciples and was commending that woman. What do you think motivated the woman to bring her last money and drop it in the offering? Grace. Meaning, this woman was already living under grace. The ability to give out of your poverty condition is something that motivates you or God motivates you from within. Remember what we read before. Grace is what? That divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. There is something that spoke to this woman to give out without thinking of her condition. That was grace working. Now, I'll show you in the Old Testament to be able to get that. Um, okay? Even Second Corinthians chapter, Mark is so quick, this so much is powerful scripture. Second Corinthians, we don't need to read that, you know it, especially those in the local assembly. Chapter 8, 1 to 2. <laughs> they gave out of their deep poverty. How would they? They were even begging Paul, you got to take from us. That was grace at work. Grace at work. The ability to do what your own natural strength cannot do. Okay, before we shut down, uh, the first king chapter 17. Let me look at that. First king 17, please give because I'm told time is up, but I need to read the scripture for you so that you understand. When we come back, second section, I can continue from, from where I'm going to stop now. Second king 17, I'm sure. No, sorry, first king 17. Look at, uh, you know, the woman that took care of, uh, huh? Right. No, that's what I want to show you. Took care of uh, Elijah. Is that okay? Yeah. First Kings 17, please. Uh, I need you to read just verse 9. You know this series so much. But look at verse 9. There's something I want to show you there in verse number 9. Hallelujah. Yeah. Arise, go to Zarephath, quick belong to Zidon, and dread here. Behold, I have done what? Commanded a widow dear to provide for you. I have commanded. So the widow did not just give like that. There was a command. The point is, the widow did not even know why she was doing what she was doing. Grace to give. 
Now this is what people don't see. Do you understand that? This is what people don't see. They don't see this. <laughs> Glory to God. Did you see that? Good. I've commanded it. Sober. It means to constitute. It means to join. It means to appoint. It means to command. The commandment. To send the messenger. To put or set in order. Can you understand this now? The woman was a messenger. Operating and functioning and responding to the command of God. She was a messenger to provide for. But one good thing about this is anytime you respond to this great power, provision is made available. Did you get it? Now, the last meal, they always have the last, the last, the last. The woman I gave, last coin, this is the last meal. But what followed? Now, out of the last meal I was given, oil came in. And what's the next thing that happened? Go sell and pay your debts. Grace enabled her not just to give, but to pay off her debts. Are you following this? So the woman that was seen as a poor man in the community become an oil merchant. Why? Because grace functioned or she functioned under grace. Grace will set you up. Grace will promote you. Grace will exhort you. Stand up somebody. I just need you to talk to the Father. Thank you for listening to this teaching and we know you have been blessed. For further information, please call 0815-556-8000. God bless you.